So, Father, thank you. Thank you that um, we can sing our praise to you. Thank you that... Um, Thank you that you are a majestic, holy God and that you stir up, us up inside to worship you and to praise you. And, and thank you that singing is just one type of worship, that, um, that as we look at your word now, that is also our worship. It is our reasonable service of worship to come to you and ask you um, more about you um, so that we can correctly interpret our world and ourselves. So I pray, Father, for um, your hand upon this whole day. I thank you that um, I thank you for what you've already done. I thank you for all of the ways you've stirred us within to come and to, to be here today on this beautiful day when we could have done a million other things. I thank you, Lord, for doing that. And I ask that you be honored in our offering, Father, that we um, yeah, that you be pleased with our offering. I pray that you are pleased with our conversations, with our, um, with our exchanges, one with the other. And I know, Lord God, that uh, you honour those who honour you. And so I praise you for what you will do today. And I thank you, Lord, that we might come into a place of knowing you just that little bit more. In Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. I don't know if this is a bit loud, is it? A bit loud? It feels loud. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I um, asked some questions on the advertising for today. Today is called The Making of Leaders, and I asked some questions on the advertising, and one of them was... Um, do you have the faith to follow God? I don't actually think I said that on the card itself, but um, do, do you have the faith to follow God? And uh, will you walk with him, trusting that he holds the future? And these are questions that God asks us, and they're important, obviously, because he asks them. And I think often I've answered those questions kind of glibly. Do I have the faith to follow God? Sure, yeah, I do. Yeah, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, so I'll follow God. But um, I was recently in Switzerland, in fact, I was there last weekend, and um, the woman who uh, runs the ministry that invited me there uh, used to be a part of Campus Crusade for Christ. Um, and uh, she said that one time when she was young, she was she spent her whole life as a missionary, and... Uh, uh, when she first went, she went to Italy. Tough posting, right, for a missionary, <laughs> Italy. She went there, and uh, and part of the thing she had to th was asked to think about before she got there was, uh, she was asked. Um, they were all asked, "Are you able to say to God, anytime, anything, anywhere, any time, anything, anywhere, in whatever order you want to put that. Anything, anytime, anywhere. Can you say that to God and mean it? And uh, she said it took her a few days to actually think through what that meant. Um, but in the end, she said, yes, Lord. And today's called The Making of, uh, the Making of Leaders. And um, when I started, I thought it was going to be completely different to the way it's turned out, and that's good for me, and hopefully good for you. Um, I found when I looked at the scriptures that God does not call anyone into leadership. 
He doesn't call people to leadership. So when we stand up and we say, or if, if we stand up and say, which hopefully you don't, you know, God has called me into leadership, you know that that's not found in Scripture anywhere, that uh, example. God doesn't call people to leaders to be leaders. He calls people to follow him. And then he makes it possible for them to cause people to follow them. And that's quite an important distinction in our day because we have a lot of people who want to be leaders and who want to be, um, you know, uh, seen to be leaders. And um, so it was interesting to me. It was interesting to find that, that he didn't ever call anyone to leadership or to be a leader. He didn't say, come and I'll, you know, be a leader. He said, follow me. You know that's true. That rings a bell with Jesus, doesn't it? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. Paul will say in 1 Corinthians 11, imitate me as I imitate Christ. It's always that. As I imitate Christ, imitate me. As I follow the Lord, follow me. If ever anyone says follow me, which they don't in Scripture, they say follow the Lord, um, it is with that idea. I'm walking closer to God. I'm walking. I want to get closer to God. Do you want to hold my hand and walk with me too? You know, that's, that's, that's what it is. And that's what discipleship is actually, isn't it? You know, do you want to walk with me? Uh, and I, you know, I also what one of the what this woman said to me this weekend, which was really helpful for me, was, if it's new, it isn't true, and if it's true, it isn't new. It was so helpful for me because I'm always thinking I'm saying the same thing, and they're all bored, <laughs> especially this afternoon when you've had cake and tea, and you're sort of kind of thinking, oh, you know. It's, it's, it was really good for me to hear because I know you, you know, for most people here, you know all this stuff. You know everything that I'm going to say. There's nothing that I'm going to say you won't have read or heard or something before. And so it's very easy to think when you're standing at the front, oh my goodness, Lord, is this it? You know, this is kind of, you know, they're all going to go home at lunchtime. And uh, so, yeah, so if it's new, it isn't true. And if it's true, it isn't new. And uh, so... We're going to look today at how God makes leaders and then what he does with them. So uh, the question uh, on the card was, do you have the faith to walk with God? You have the faith. And so my question is, what is that faith? What faith does it take to walk with God? That's a question for you. Trust, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, knowing him. Yeah, love. Yeah. Yeah. Integrity, all those things are good, all wonderful. Um, Peter and Jude talk about the faith that was handed down to the saints. Jude says in Jude 3, I wanted to write to you about our common salvation, but I felt I had to write to you to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all handed down to the saints. And Peter will say to those who are living in wherever they are, Galatia, Cappadocia, all of those places, to those who live as aliens who have received the same kind of faith as ours. So one of the first things about walking with God, following God, is that we have to have received that kind of faith. Because faith is a word that's really banded about in our day. You can have faith in cabbages. 
You can have faith in kings. You can have faith that the sun will come up in the morning and set in the evening. That's not, that's not the faith that God talks about. The faith that's required to walk with him is the faith that's handed down one to another, saint to saint to saint, that has been handed down since Jesus. And now the question is, do we have that kind of faith? Do I have that kind of faith? Do you? Do you have that kind of faith? Because it takes that kind of faith to follow God. So if, uh, if God is going to use you to lead other people, then uh, if he's going to lead me to use, uh, use me to lead other people, then he wants me to know what kind of faith that, he's, uh, that has been handed down. So rather than it being our trust, our surrender, our integrity, our whatever it is, what is the faith that was handed down to the saints? What is that faith? That's another question. Faith in Jesus, okay, yeah. So what's that then, Patty? What, what, what is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the good news of salvation? I never ask impossible questions. They're all easy. You just think there must be something more difficult because it's an easy question. It isn't. So. And? Right, and? And? All good, Maureen. All wonderful, actually. All wonderful. So, and? Yeah, and? And? (laughs) And he's interceding for us. And? That's getting close. Getting close, Anna. Very good. Eternal life. Yeah, not in the future. Eternal life now. Eternal life now. Eternal life now. So what is the faith that's handed down to the saints? Yeah, the Lord Jesus Christ lives within you and will never leave. Will never leave. You can't have eternal life and then lose eternal life because if you can lose eternal life, it was never eternal. It has to be continuous. So you have eternal life. You have eternal life because the one who is life lives within you. So... What sort of faith is it that will enable you to walk with God? To a certain extent, it's his faith, but it is the faith that he brought to you, the strength, the trust, the surrender, everything that he brought to you when you came to Christ. What sort of faith did Christ need? Yeah. Faith in the Father and... uh, These are not wrong answers. These are all right answers. So, and? Yeah, and? Yeah, and? And? And that when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, Lord, take this cup from me, three times, that he knew that he would be able to say, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done, and that God would see him through. See him through the most painful death. See him through absolute separation from the Father. See him through his worst possible thoughts, his worst nightmares, everything about the worst that he could envisage. See him through and raise him to glory. Now, this is important for us because walking with God is probably the most difficult thing we will ever do in our life. 
It's the most difficult thing any of us can ever do because you and I are not able to walk with God. I mean, come on, for goodness sake. We've just sang about his majesty. He created the universe. He created everything we see and everything we don't. He is beyond description, beyond our imagination. He does exceedingly abundantly beyond anything we can ask or think. And you and I are being asked, can we walk with him? No, I can't. I don't know how to. So if I don't know, if I haven't been given the faith that was once for all handed down to the saints, I'm not going to get past the starting block. I can't do it. I can't walk with God, even though I want to walk with God. I can't do it unless I have the faith that he gives me. The truth that he will never leave, that he will hold my hand, that he will never forsake me, that there is no obstacle too high, no valley too low, every poetic thing you can think of, that there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that will cause me to be separated from this majestic God. Do you have that faith? See, do you have that faith? And honestly... Your answer is no. I don't. I don't. So when God uh, is in the business of helping us to walk with him and uh, maybe be able to use us to help other people to walk with him, which is what leadership is, that's what spiritual Christian leadership is, helping other people to walk with God. If he's in the business of doing that, what do you think the first thing is that he's going to say to you? You're so scared, Anne. You're so scared that you're going to mess it up and that you're not going to make it and that you're not going to be able to do it. So I think the best place for you is right here with me. That's his call. Come close to me. Come close to me. Stay close to me. And all of your fears and all of your anxiety and all of the difficulties will start to fade away because you are in me, with me, close to me. So the call to leadership is not a call to leadership. It is a call to God. Come close to me and I will do great and mighty things through you, things you can't even imagine Things that you would not believe if I told you. What's that wonderful verse, 2 Corinthians, I think it is, 2 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians 2, 9, one of those. Um, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor mind conceived what God has in store. Who for? Those who are full of leadership ability and strong and mighty and really intelligent. And what, who for? Those who love him, those who love him. Come close. Come close. You want a faith that will grow. You want a faith that will sustain you. You want a a walk with God that will last a whole lifetime and on into, into eternity. Come close. Come close to God. Come close to God. When I was first a Christian, I became a Christian in Japan. Most people know that, but, um, very strange experience. Too long to go into, but, um, and uh, just after I was a Christian, um, an American uh, Bible teacher came to our church and she stood at the front and um, about from here to the door. And uh, she opened her Bible to First John 
this was, I'd only been a Christian maybe two or three months, and a friend of mine who was discipling me took me to this thing. And she opened her Bible to First John, and I don't really remember what she said, but all I remember was looking at her and thinking, I want to know God like you know God. And I want to love his word like you love his word. So can you see how God used her to call me? That's what, I don't remember what she said. I don't really remember, uh, I mean, I, 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 I know who she is and I followed her teaching for a long time and she, of all people, was the most instrumental in my Christian walk. But the one thing that God did through her was to sight a fire in me. A fire to know him and love him and to know his word and love his word. And I, that's never gone. It's never gone. And that's what God is calling all of us to. All of us. Come closer. Because the closer you get, the more you will love me. And the closer you get to my word, the more you will love my word. And you can't imagine it to begin with because it looks like a dry book. And like you read it and you think, I'm not sure how I really love this, love this word. But he will do it. He will do it. Why? Because he's faithful, because he promised. Why? Because he loves us. Why? And there's no wrong answers. These are all good answers, but come on. Like Alex was stirring you up here to worship, so come on. Yes, to glorify him, to glorify him. If you know his word and live his word, you, you glorify God. That is the bottom line truth. The Bible says that almost on every page. If you follow this word, I am glorified. And if I am glorified, what? You are full of joy. You are full of joy. What's the Westminster Catechism? You probably don't know because you're not traditionalists. The Westminster Catechism. What is the uh, purpose of man? What is the purpose of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. Oh, well, I don't know about you, but that's what I want. I want to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I love that, that those two things are put together. That as I glorify God, I enjoy him. And as I enjoy him, he is glorified. And he does that through his word. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, in one sense, we're already leaders. How, how is that true? Because you're here. Because you're here. <laughs> yes, because you're here. Because you're, you're, you're already following God. And therefore, that means you already understand what, his, what he wants from your life. What does God want from your life? For your life. What's the Great Commission? Go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to do all that I commanded you to do, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I mean, in a nutshell, that's your life and my life. Go into all the world. That's in a paraphrase. And make disciples. Make disciples. And how will you make disciples? According to those verses. 
Matthew 28. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and that I am with you always till the end of the age. Um, So, right at the beginning then, the question is, will you follow Christ close? Will you follow him close? And at the end of the day, will you truly think about that anytime, anything, anywhere? Because if we're not in days where the world needs to see real Christians, I don't know when those days are. We have to be real with people. We have to be real with God. We have to be so close to God that we are unafraid, that knowing that he sees every weakness and every issue and every sin and everything about us. And we have to be unafraid that other people see it too. Because this is a time when people are so afraid, they are suffering, people are full of anxiety, people are depressed, they are committing suicide in their hundreds of thousands, they are taking drugs, they are getting drunk, they are doing all of this in in our day, much more than they ever have before. And they don't need you to be smiley and happy and going about your golf and your lunches and your everyday work. They need you to be a person who loves God. They need you to be that person. Hi, Carrie. No worries, don't worry. So um, so first, uh, people that God will use to lead others. Uh, hear a call to and from God. They hear a call first to God, and then they hear a call from God. So hearing a call sounds so spiritual, doesn't it? You know, when people used to say that to me, I used to think, oh, I haven't heard a call. (laughs) Oh, my goodness, what does that sound like? I haven't heard a call. But so uh, what do you think it is to hear a call? How might that work in your life? And if you've heard a call from God, don't tell me, because it will just make me jealous. So, seriously, how do you think we usually experience the call from God on our life? Yes, yes. God does something within you, and you start to be aware of a need somewhere. Somewhere. Either in yourself, in other people, in the church that you go to, in the fellowship you're in. You start to be aware that there's a need for something. And then you start to be aware that you might be able to fill that need. That God might do that through you. So I'm calling that today a hearing a call from God. But before he does that, or let's just go on a little bit then. What does he want you to do? If you, if you see that need, whatever it is, and you know that there's something in you that wants to help fix that need... What is it that you know that that will ultimately result in? That's a bit of a weird question, is it? Even sounded weird to me. Um, okay, what is it that people need? <laughs> change, yeah, change. Even before the change, what do they need? Love, the love of God. They need the love of God. They need to understand the love of God. Because even if we love them, our love is kind of limited. 
So people need to understand and know for themselves the love of God. Right, okay. And how will he, how will you give that to them? How will you make them know that? What's the package that that comes in? Oh, I, sorry, Ellen. Right. Isaiah 64. Okay, so we've got to carry the Bible around and open it up. You need loving, so read this. Oh, is it? Good, good. I'll get you to recite that later then, Ellen. <laughs> um, what, what, how does the love of God come to people? How, how, how if, if they need the love of God, if everybody needs the love of God, do, well, first of all, do you really believe that, that everybody needs the love of God? Yes. So how does that come to them? It comes in the gospel. It comes in Christ. You can't find the love of God anywhere else. Only in Christ Jesus. He has made that decision that his love is found in Christ Jesus. So you see a need, whatever that may be, inside or outside of the church. You see a need. Let's just say it's, well, it doesn't matter, inside or outside. People need the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. So if they're outside of the church, what will you give them? Yeah. The gospel. You're going to give them the gospel. If you don't give them the gospel, pack it up and go home. Really. Because you might make them feel good for 10 years, but they're not going to be with him at the end. They will go straight to hell. You have to give the gospel. We are a body. We are the body of Christ. The body of Christ, that's like the giveaway. We have to give Jesus. We have to give Jesus. How do we do that? I mean, that's even in the church too. Even in the church. Inside, outside, we have to give Jesus. How do we do that? By living for his glory. By showing that you know someone who is fantastic. That your life is nothing like it used to be because you know Jesus Christ. Because he has become everything to you because you can't imagine a day without him because there's nothing that you love more than talking about him and living for him is this true about you see see what happens is we hear this stuff we read Paul in in the New Testament and we think that's super spirituality we think that's like you know Kent Clark is it Kent Clark is that his name Yes. Clark Kent, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Alex. Oh, gosh. Okay, so we think that's, that's what it is. There's a few Christians who run into phone boxes, put on the suit, and out they come, and they're like this wonderful Christian we've all got to follow. But that's not it. The New Testament is ordinary Christianity. It's just like mainstream, ordinary, everybody does it, Christianity. And so when I say we have to love God, we have to live for his glory, we have to think he's the most fantastic thing ever, that's not pie in the sky. That's just, do you? I mean, really, do you? Maybe you have to wait for your first coffee. I I usually have to wait for my first coffee. But seriously, do we live like that? You know, are you sitting at dinner with people who don't know Jesus thinking, how, how, how can I tell you about Jesus? How can I do that? 
Do you have family who don't want to hear the gospel anymore? Because I've got tons of them. They don't want to hear the gospel anymore. And I'm still thinking, okay, how can I slip him in? How can I do that? But not because I want to be right, not because I want to beat him over the head, but because I want them to know him. Because he is amazing and because he has done wondrous things in me. So if you're not there, if that's not your thinking, what are you going to do? <laughs> Hope someone else has got the suit, right? Yeah. No, what are you going to do? You're going to pray. Pray for what? Pray for God's help. What's he going to say? You're right, Anna. You're right. What's he going to say to you? He's going to say, come close, come close, come close. Come close to me. The closer you get to me, the more you will love me. There you go. And if you wonder whether your love is a little bit, um, you know, a bit tarnished or a little bit just gone a bit bland, then the answer, I was going to say the secret, it's not a secret, the answer is going to the Bible and being open to how, what the love that you can see from Jesus in the Bible. Because when you do a Bible study, Juliet and I, have, I feel very um, privileged that I've got a Bible study partner. And you know, we pray at the beginning, or we discuss something at the beginning, and then as we're opening up, the answers to what we've been talking about or praying about are absolutely there. Therefore, you're bowled over with receiving love from him, and then you can't stop talking about it. Mm. You can't. It's not a question of, I should be going out and doing this. I can't help it. Mm. I think we could probably all have coffee now because that's pretty much the first session. <laughs> no, no. Thank you, Kate. That's true. But the thing is, you don't know that until you start to do that. So when God is, uh, when He calls us, He calls us to come closer to Him. And the way we come closer to Him is through the Word. Because you can come closer to him, you can think you're coming closer to him in all sorts of other ways. He can, you can have visions and dreams, you can sing wonderful songs. They are all good, but you will never know if that's God unless you can um, verify it from the word of God. You might be able to tell yourself it's God, you might find other people tell you that's God that's an experience of God, but you will never really absolutely know unless it aligns with what you read in Scripture. That's the wonderful thing about the Word of God. It is the plumb line. It is the foundation for every part of our Christian life. So, um, when, when God wants you to, to give Jesus to people, and you have already answered me that you show Jesus by living 
to, uh, according to his glory, or living for his glory. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus is talking in the um, Sermon on the Mount, he actually says that to the disciples. So let your light shine before men so that men glorify your Father in heaven. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about having a light shining in us that glorifies God. Okay, think about all the Christian leaders you know, particularly those that are on TV, and think about, does their light glorify God or does it glorify them? You don't have to answer. This is not a, you know, this is not a like name and shame. This is simply, who is being glorified here? Is it God or is it them? Um, okay. I thought you were going to say something, David, so I was... No, you weren't. Yeah, no, you just looked as if you were about to say something, so sorry, I caught you in my eye. Okay, so when we uh, do that, when we find that that's happening because we've prayed because we didn't have that desire and then God has answered that prayer by putting us in the Word and we found us, Kate and Juliet have said that as we go into the Word, we find that God answers us through his Word and then we find this this, this thing rolling on and growing and growing. Um, what will happen to the people around us? Yeah, they'll see a change in us. Yeah, hopefully for the better. <laughs> Maybe those a bit further away than our intimate family, they might see a change quicker. Yeah, and? Hey? You wouldn't see them so often. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. That's probably true, but you know, we're going to be positive today and try to think of good things. So, so um, yeah, so hopefully people would start to think what's happened to her? What's happened to him? What's going on? Hopefully that would happen. And, um, and what would God do with that? He would use it how? As openings. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, that's the first thing. The first thing is, you don't, God doesn't call leaders. He makes leaders. He makes followers of him. And uh, when he calls you to follow him, he calls you to come close. The second thing, then, the second thing is that... Um, uh, Godly leaders don't make themselves. You can't make yourself. You can tell yourself that you need to do this and you need to do that. You should do this and you should do that, but you can't do it. That's the second thing. And actually, if you find that you want to be a leader, you're probably not close enough to God. You probably need to go back to the, you know, go back to go. Or what is it? No, go back to the start. Do not pass go. Do not collect 200. You need to go back because uh, leadership or leaders are something God makes and he makes them by following. Um, so how does he make us? How does he make people who he uses to influence other people? How does he do that? Yeah. How does he begin? What did he do for you when you put your trust in him? He became our father. Yeah, he becomes our father. What did he do for you specifically? 
He gave his Holy Spirit. He gave his Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came in, what did he do? Did he just sit in a corner for a while and wait till you recognized him? He began to work within you. To do what? Change you? Change what part of you? Yeah, he, ch- he came in to start changing your soul. Your spirit doesn't need changing anymore because you have the Holy Spirit within you. Your spirit is alive in Christ Jesus, alive forevermore. Your flesh, I'm sorry to say, no matter how good it looks now, it's only going to go downhill. And, and it's going to be dispensed with. You're going to get a new body. Praise the Lord, most people say. So, so the, the flesh, your, the, your actual body is probably not going to change much. It's the soul that the Holy Spirit will work on. Your soul. What, what is your soul? Your mind, your will, your emotions. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. So what will you probably notice first when the Holy Spirit comes in and when he starts to work? Your mind changes, yeah. And how does he do that? How does he, you know, what, what is the process through which he changes your mind? Because God is practical. He is a practical God. And these are spiritual truths, but they are practically worked out in our life. Yeah, he speaks. How? I'm a bit frightened what you're going to say, Alan. I have to say. <laughs> I have to say. I know. I should be used to him by now. <laughs> well, he's going to change your thinking, Right? He's going to start putting thoughts into your mind that you didn't have before. And the more that you pick up the place that he speaks, the more your thoughts, your thinking will change. So he's going to change your thinking. What will that do? It will change your actions and attitude. It will change your attitude. Yeah, other people. It will change your emotions. It will change your emotions. If your thinking changes, your emotions change. Why is that true? Because, like, is it true? Why is it true? (laughs) It's true because we're connected. We're connected. We, you know, your mind is not a separate thing. Your mind is the computer, and, and the thoughts come into it. What you see, what you read, what you hear, all thoughts come into your head, and they have an effect on your emotions. And then they have an effect on your will. So he puts new thoughts into your head. You would find that your emotions are changing. And what would be the change in your emotions, do you think? How would that look? Yeah, well, mostly it'd be joy. Joy. I mean, if God's putting thoughts into your head that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that he will cause all things to work together for your good, that nothing is impossible for this God, that the issues of your life are tiny little molecules to him, not even that, they're amoeba. And that he knows everything about you. He cares about everything about you. 
He loves everything about you. Do you not think that that might cause joy in you? So if you're not feeling joy, what's happened? Yeah, I'm saying he prays and, and he take, you pray. He takes you to the word. He answers your prayers. He... Yeah, no, I'm not talking about, yeah. <laughs> what I'm talking about is the basic starting blocks of our life with the Lord Jesus. He wants to change, he will change us by his spirit. And one of the things that changes is that we experience joy, even in the difficult circumstances that haven't changed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't finish every sentence though, sorry. It's like I can't put every bit of theology in every sentence. But yeah, you're right, Sue, you're right. It's, but but uh, the reason I'm saying that you will, you will experience joy is that joy is contagious and it shows. And if we have a whole church full of people who are not joyful, it doesn't look attractive. And you can't have joy unless you know the Lord is at work in you and that he will never stop and that he loves you no matter your circumstance, no matter your difficulty. That he will change you. So the question is, if you're not experiencing joy in your life, what is the reason for that? Either you're not listening, not reading, or you don't believe. You just don't believe. And why would you not believe? Because this is coming to what you're saying, Sue. Why would you not believe? Because the circumstances of your life don't line up with what he says. You say you care about me. You say you love me. You say you know everything. You say nothing is impossible for you. You say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, I can't do this. And this doesn't look like love. And this circumstance is threatening to do me in. So, how important is it for us to come close to God? Because life is hard and tough. And if we look with the eyes of our flesh, we see only difficulty. So, coming close to God does what? I mean, of course, it does loads of things, but in this train of thought, what will coming close to God do? It will change your focus, and you will start to look with the eyes of faith. And when you start to look with eyes of faith, you trust that where you're going is going to be glorious, and that every step of the way, no matter how hard it is, God will walk with you. God will walk with you. Yeah, that's it. That's why we're in relationship. That's why we're in fellowship. That's why 
we need each other. That's why we should be coming together with people who love God and love his word. Because if you're with people who love God and love his word, when you can't lift your own hands up, they lift your hands for you. When you haven't got a word to pray, what you need to pray, they pray it for you. Yes, the Holy Spirit prays for us with groans too deep to utter. Yes, Jesus is interceding for us at the right hand of the throne of God. But yes, also, he has put us together in family so that we can help each other and lift each other up. So if God is calling you to uh, come closer to him, if you hear that call today, what can you know is going to happen when you get closer? You're going to have more joy. Things will change. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Laura. <laughs> it's like, I mean, how many, how many, yeah. Okay. So this is not a day about the enemy. Okay. <laughs> this is not a day. It might be later. Who knows? But yeah. So the enemy will attack. That's true too. But, but what will happen if God is calling you to come closer? What do you know he's going to do next? Huh? He will empower you to do what? To, to live the life he wants you to live. And the life he wants you to live, what will happen with that? You'll become more like him and then what? He's glorified and then what? People follow you. They follow you. I want to know what he knows. I want to know God like she knows God. I want to love God like that. I don't, but I want to. That's what happens. Now, can you imagine this room? How many people are here? I don't know. Don't count, maybe, because I always want 200, but, you know, it's not. So. <laughs> so just imagine what God will do if we all of us decide today, anytime, anywhere, anything Anytime, anywhere, anything. Yes. Just imagine what he will do with 35 of us. I mean, we could start a revolution. We could. We could. God would do that through us. Like batteries. Very true. Very true. It's true. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, so, when God is about to use you for something, what's the first thing that you're going to be aware of? Huh? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Who are you all, anyway? I mean, I'm supposed to be doing this, and you're all... New equipment. What? what? <laughs> okay, that's good, Anna, but I can't go down that road. Not yet. I need a cup of coffee before I do that. So, just moving swiftly on from Anna, 
turning to this side of the room. What will you be aware of when God is just about to, when, when God is, when you're finding within you a, 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 what you think might be a call from God or a call to God? Excitement, yeah. Yeah, having prayed, step out in faith. But it's, it's kind of more what will happen to you? What's the first kind of first things that will happen to you? I have to keep checking my notes because you're taking me so off track. <laughs> you're going to find it. Yes, yes. Thank you, Carrie. Sort of more normal here. Um, you should find, should, I hate that word, should. You will find a desire in you to know God more. That is definitely true. You will find a desire that starts to grow to know God more. To know God more. Why will that be the first thing? Seriously, why will that be the first thing? Yeah. Before you get to that place, Barbara, just think about this desire to know God more. Why will that be the first thing? If God is, yeah, yeah, but he's the one who's giving you that desire. And why will that be the first step on this journey? To get closer to him. Why? No, you can't do it, Barbara. That is completely the wrong answer. Well, we all can't do it. We all can't do it. No. Yeah, no, but why would it be a desire to come closer to God? This is really fundamental because if your desire is to fix their problems or if your desire is to go and do before you know, you are worse than useless. Because what you will do is concentrate on the job and the people rather than God. And we have a a world full of people who do that. God will always want you, he will draw you to himself. Because if you don't know God, you haven't got a clue about what to do for other people. And what he will do through you with other people. So, having a heart for people, of course, that's wonderful. But you have to have a heart for God before you have a heart for people. Uh, You said to me right at the beginning, uh, Garby said... What's the first two commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind and love your neighbour as yourself. We have a church that has turned that upside down. Love your neighbour as yourself. Okay, so first we have to love ourselves because like that's paramount and then we have to love the people next to us and if we've got any more love left over, we'll love God. That's, it's the opposite. So, When God is about to do something in your life, you will find within you a desire to know him better. And you will know that you don't know him well enough. And everything in you will be saying, Lord God, please, get me closer. Help me to get closer to you. And as you do that, or what will he do when... when, um, What will be the way that you get to know him? If you don't say the word... You just better go home. No. It will be the word. He will draw you to his word. His word. Why will he do that? He speaks through it because he is the word. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word took on flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ is the Word of God. So when we hear things about God doesn't want to be confined to this box, you can't confine God to this box, the answer is God has confined himself to this box. He has decided that this is how we know him. And even though he speaks in dreams and visions and though you can have experiences outside of actually opening the book, they will all align with what this is if they are from God because he is not a God of chaos. He is a God of order. He spoke. He spoke. He spoke and things happened. He spoke and you came alive He spoke the gospel into your life and you came alive in Christ Jesus. He speaks and things happen. So why suddenly are we putting the book away and saying it's a box and we can't keep God in that box? It is a living and enduring word and you were born again through it, the living and enduring word of God. First Peter chapter 1. So this if, if you find within yourself a desire to know God, he will take you to his word. He definitely will. And as he takes you to his word and you start to soak that up and you start to pray what you read because he's talking to you as, as you read, he's talking, and you're beginning to pray, what will, you start to, what will start to happen then? Yeah? But in terms of what he's going to do through you, what will start to happen Did you say energize? Yes, yes, definitely energize. But you will start to have an awareness of where he wants you to go and what he wants you to do. It has to be in that order. Do you see what I mean? It can't be, I'm going to go and do this and I hope that God will come along with me. It has to be God first, God second, and then he will give you the awareness of where to go. And then what will happen? We're going to take a break in a minute. But what will happen as soon as you start to have an awareness of uh, what he wants you to do? And go, oh, that it would true, Margaret. Oh, that it would true. What normally will happen? That may be true. Who knows? But yeah, what, what normally happens? Yeah, that too would be lovely, Alan. And I'm sure it, it will happen. But that's not the next step. What's the next step? Almost always. You know, again, Diana, you'd love it to be like that. I would love it to be like that. But most often, it will be temptation and trial and tests. You will find that you are tempted and distracted, and there will be a a million reasons why you don't have the time to do that. Or or it will be that uh, something will happen in your family. And it's a really testing time. And that will draw you away from the awareness that you had that God was about to do something in your life, through your life. The testing, the temptations, the trials, where do they come from? Where do they come from? They come from God. They come from, well, not temptation as temptation, but the testing and the trials, they come from God. Why? Well, we're not serious, Anna, really, let's face it, are we? 
We're not serious. What will he do through the tests and the trials? He will refine you and make you able to do the things that he wants you to do. So the distractions and the temptations, they're from the enemy. Satan brought up, um, Satan brought up, um, whoever you are, Laura brought up the enemy. Um, Of course, the temptation and the distractions will come from that. But the tests and the trials, hard as they might be, are the way that God will refine you. Do you remember Joseph at the end of his uh, his life or when his brothers came and, and they, were, they felt bad because they felt sure that uh, they were going to be in trouble because they'd sold him into slavery and then all of what happens happened to him. What did he say? What you meant for evil, God made for good. That is the reality of Scripture. Whatever comes at you, trial, test, whatever, in whatever way, God uses it for his glory and for your best. How will you know that? Yeah, that's true, Carrie, but how did you know that? How did you even know that verse? (laughs) Okay, that's a really good answer, Carrie. You know it because you read it, because God said it. You know it because God said it. So as you know the word, he opens the eyes of your faith and you start to be able to look at things with the right perspective. And you start to understand that this trial and this test and this difficulty and this thing that is threatening to overwhelm me will not overwhelm me because I belong to God. And he will use this to transform me into someone who can be used for his glory.